boop, 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 Casey, this uh, this acapella group that we've been getting together, the mm-hmm. whole gang. I, I think we've got a lot of talent. Yeah, I think me, yeah. Uh, I think Discord's the platform for the next big concert scene. And how about using Namisa get <laughs> hit in the roadza? Are you kidding Tadesa. me? I I've always wanted to. It's like pitch perfect. When I saw that, you know, I was just like, that's me. That's literally me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The girl that was throwing up all over the place. I, I really, yeah. I. Uh, no, just Rebel Wilson in general. Like every day, oh. I look at her and I'm like, God, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Wilson. I I'm look quirky. At her and, uh, I'm, I'm a bigger girl, and I'll make fun of myself all the time like, in all these movies. Like dark chocolate and blueberries. <laughs> Cool blimey, I'm in all those ads. <laughs> it's British. Oh my god. I like I like seeing her. Has Rebel uh, Wilson been cats. good? Oh, and cats? Yeah. It's, well no. I mean it's not because she's like great in cats or anything, but like Isn't isn't that the part where all the roaches have little little faces and they're like Oh yeah around the cake. Ugh. And she like eats one or something. Oh my god, I forgot about the roach like scene. Like when that movie was coming out, um, one of my friends showed me that scene and they're like, Listen, I thought this was a joke. I thought somebody edited this, but it's real. It's actually it's in the movie. And I watched I that can't scene. I believe that. And I was like, Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. This is very bad. What happened to that guy, Tom Hooper? He like he did the King's Speech, which is one of the most like critically acclaimed films yeah. of all time. Yeah, you and know then he, he did also um, the Les the, Mis adaptation, which um, that we, guy. That's where it start getting mixed. But like most people, right. I think do like it, despite Russell Crowe and like yeah. a few questionable choices. I I still thought the. The direction, at least, with Les Mis was was way more on track than Cats, you know? Um, Yeah, it's just one wonders, like, did he have, like, some kind of, like, uh, personal struggle in between Les Mis and Cats? Like, the the length between the two movies, there was a huge gap. And and also, the quality dip is... I mean, it just does not line up. Like, what what happened? I don't know. I, 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 I probably chalk it up to him wanting to do another, like, stage musical adaptation after Les Mis, but uh, just picking the wrong one to do it because uh, apparently from what I can understand, in Broadway, uh, Cats is just as weird and, and not a whole lot of people even like Cats as a stage uh, like a musical, so uh, yeah. Uh, why it, he chose it, it to do this? It's like a one. lot of performances. Yeah. Um, and Andrew Lloyd Webber is just like, I mean, seen as a moneymaker essentially. Like anything he writes will will be on Broadway a long time. I mean, the same is with Phantom of the Opera, uh, Jesus uh, Christ Superstar. Is mm. it Jesus Christ Superstar? Or is it just Jesus? 
I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's Jesus! It's Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't flag this video. Yeah, please, dear God. <laughs> we can't even have an intro uh, apparently without getting flagged. Yeah, true. Our uh, our intro's still being like, yo, you got there's music in here, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? It's called sampling. Oh. Ooh, speaking of music, have you heard of the, the Sia movie, Music? Uh Oh, God. Um, no. <laughs> I only just heard about it, like, very recently. As in, like, yesterday, very recently. <laughs> Same here, as in, like, two days ago, recently. So yeah. I, guess, I guess I'm an expert in the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's basically her directorial debut and it is about um a girl with severe autism but uh it's getting a lot of backlash as being ableist which uh for one um the girl playing um someone on the spectrum is uh is not on the spectrum herself it's Sia's daughter i believe um and a lot of people seem to think that her performance is pretty good, but that, um, you know, that role should have gone to someone with autism if they really wanted to, like, make this movie. The uh, the other part of this film that is causing a lot of controversy is the, the portrayal of autism itself as some kind of, like, amazing, like, healing, like, power that, like, parents, you know, should view their opportunity um with an autistic child to like change the world or whatever like you know essentially uh putting a lot of pressure on the autistic community like you know you really got to be spectacular if you have autism which mm -hmm. you know has been portrayed through like savant um films in the past where like pe characters with autism always have like magical powers like the good doctor can like doctor any situation <laughs> or you yeah. know rain man be counting uh yeah which rain man is one that people like i think but um yeah it's just it's gotten a lot of backlash and it's it's brought up the discussion of like how autism is uh is brought to the silver screen and like that kind of energy and that it's often just to win awards which i mean brings us to the point of why this movie's probably getting talked about it is nominated for a golden globe and uh let me check which one it uh it's, <laughs> it's nominated for best musical slash drama so it's like up for basically best picture uh for the golden globes and then um it's actress or musical score i think is one of mm. those it's definitely music yeah it's definitely musical score that's what I, re I mean, I can look it up again just to be sure, but that's what I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's just sad that you can go back and watch Tropic Thunder and you can get that message that actors just like make <laughs> movies about autism to win awards. And that sentiment has not changed at all mm -hmm. in the past 13 years. Like, like Sean Penn yeah. was doing that with I Am Sam. And now Sia is is doing the same with uh, this movie, and I and I say that um, because even though this film might seem well intentioned, Sia has gone out and said 
that um, you know she thinks that people have blown it out of the water like you know they've just canceled her and it's not fair or maybe it was a critic that said that but like Sia herself just has not done enough um, with the with the damage that this project has caused um, controversially it, it used uh, scenes involving restraint mm-hmm. in the movie and um, people with autism like face that that kind of like barbaric practice still in like a lot of homes and um, the consensus seems to be that like that was a really terrible move to even have that be in the movie yeah. and have it in theaters at all. Like she's and she's added a warning like before the movie now to to let people know that there are scenes of restraint and then finally she removed the scenes of restraint from the movie, but it's like way too little, way too late. Um and yeah, it just it just seems really misguided, like uh maybe not overtly like ableist but right definitely not helping the conversation when it comes to autism in in media yeah i mean everything you said about about the movie like like i said i've i've only heard about it um just like uh yesterday i was like uh reading some stuff up on it cuz i saw the nominations for the golden globes and while i haven't um I don't have necessarily uh, have ever had uh, uh, family members or friends like with autism, with the exception of like one family member who recently passed away. But I think her um, condition was a lot more severe uh, than that. And it was uh, she was physically like bound to a wheelchair like all of her life. Um, And I didn't really shoot like I wasn't that like uh, she was like kind of like a distant like relative. But I remember visiting her several times. Um, so I, I can't qualify for somebody who knows a lot about autism and about, you know, just, um, things that come with that. But what, if, what I've, uh, come to understand about Sia's movie is that you you don't necessarily have to know a lot to understand that the movie is very ill-conceived. Um, so, uh, which is, is astounding to me because I hadn't even realized that Sia had made a movie and, uh. Let oh, yeah. alone I, I, I mean, <laughs> I just heard about this too. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's um, this, ridiculous. This is kind of like a, a personal like topic for me. Like, I don't know if many of the listeners of the podcast know, but my my brother was diagnosed with severe autism at the age of three. Um, so so growing up, like you know, this was a very close to home uh, subject for me. Um, but, like, I'll say that a lot of my problems and issues with movies like this is that um, they're not really concerned about telling stories for people with autism. It's more like um, telling stories about how people with autism affect those around them um, in order to, like, garner critical acclaim or, like pull at like very cheap heartstrings and I think that's why mm-hmm. um individuals in the autistic community are so upset that this is another um continuation of that trend it's that you know the story of someone with autism has not ever been told on screen um you know it's been told through like others or mm-hmm. um through people who think that they know best for people with autism but like 
in terms of like the autistic community um, getting to add their voices to this movie, it seems like there was no involvement whatsoever. And like Sia really missed the mark here where she could have like um, brought in any kind of like consultant, any individual with autism, and she just did not. And, and that's been a big problem for years. Um, you know, another little short film that has been uh, another subject this week as a result of Sia's movie is an Alfonso Caron directed commercial for mm-hmm. um, Autism Speaks and it's called I Am Autism and at this time um, Autism Speaks had in their mission statement that they were a nonprofit company concerned with finding a cure to autism and this is like part of the same harmful language that I'm talking about where, um, you know, autism is not a disease and the classification of it as such has been uh, misguided over the years and, and, and harmful to the individuals who have autism because it essentially says that a person with autism is not a whole person. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the thing with Autism Speaks at the time when they made this commercial is that they did not have anyone with autism like on their board of directors, and most people with autism seem to hate this nonprofit company. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, this commercial is is crisp. It it's got like a, it starts off with this voiceover, and it's like I am autism. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna. It's I'm very gonna sinister. Fuck up your shit. <laughs> Yes. No, it's it's terrible. It's like yeah. the guy is is like insinuating autism is this like life ruining like force. And it's like yeah. Satan like put autism on the earth to fuck with like married families and, mm-hmm. and, and ruin your children's lives. It's like you'll never get a night of sleep with me if you have a happy marriage. It's going to end in divorce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, that's I'd like that's almost the line verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's horrible. And then, like, <laughs> yeah. Like it has a turning point where, you know, it's supposed to be hopeful. Like the families right. come in and say, even though my child has autism and, you know, that's ruining my life and autism can only ruin my life. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to take my my thumb autistic kid with me and it's Mm. like hold on you you're devaluing the whole personhood of your child like yeah the the if you have a child with autism they are a human being they are a person autism does not define um your shortcomings as a parent you know like (laughs) yeah and i've I've heard that alfonso carone made this because he himself is a parent with uh, with a child um, with autism, but apparently this is just his belief that, that autism is terrible, there needs to be a cure, and that, you know, the people who, who raise autistic children are, like, strong, you know. That's yeah. where the real strength comes from. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that one of the biggest things that gets overlooked when it comes to like children with autism is like oftentimes if they're um you know incompatible with like their surroundings with the world that's not a result of the person with autism like being unable to like 
cope with the real world that is um that's like their upbringing there wasn't like a lot of effort put in to meet their standards and that's that's one of the biggest things that films like this need to change is it needs to stop being about how um, people with autism affect the world around them it needs to be about how the world around autistic people can be changed to be more accommodating um, for them you know like if if a movie is uh, like way too um, sensory intensive like we need to look into ways that like that movie can um, you know have screenings for people with autism um, you know like and actually have like dedicated screenings for that there's a lot of theaters that just do not um, air sensory friendly movies unless right. um, organizations pay them to like let uh, let them have like a field trip like that's a struggle that I faced in my hometown where um, one of the theater chains um, Malco actually I'm not, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not afraid to say it let's let's get into brands Malco yeah. <laughs> um, you know they uh, we had a bad experience with my brother going to see um, the new Star Wars movie back in like 2015 and so we were like well if he can't go to a normal screening um, do you have any sensory friendly screenings and the corporate um, you know messaged back and was like well we already reached out to all the groups there and no one said that they were interested and so unless anyone expresses interest in that um we probably will not be having any uh sensory friendly screenings which like you pieces of shit yeah one i highly doubt that you reached out to anyone mm-hmm. two you know you know that like if you just put in the effort like people have to be emailing them like i emailed them uh, like <laughs> you know i here is here is your interest right there here is like the people who want sensory friendly screenings they are messaging you right now mm-hmm. yeah. and if you're not if you're not going to add sensory friendly screenings don't kick people with autism out of your fucking theater chain if they go to a normal screening which they're paying money for um and have a couple like road like road bumps with like uh some of the sound effects in your movie mm-hmm. and i and like in that incident i'm not entirely blaming malco like i i get that in in this situation you also have to have a bunch of people who are uneducated um who are um complaining to like the theater manager and saying like oh can we get this guy out who's making a bunch of noises and who's clearly autistic and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's I remember uh, Donna had told me about that at the Malco and we were like going to the Malco because like, I think Malco was showing a movie that AMC wasn't and I, that we really wanted to see. And she's like, I don't like going to this theater. And I was like, why not? And she like told me about that happening. And I just remember being like, so flabbergasted. I was like, what the hell? Like, why, why? And I, I asked her the same thing that you had that you guys asked them, I was like, do they not have any like, um, like, uh, like screening times for that? Like you saying, like, like sensory friendly screenings. And she was like, no, I guess not. And so, uh, we try to avoid the Malco like at all costs. And so we just started going to AMC because 
fuck Malco. That's really, really um, disheartening for one, and um, just like very distasteful in my opinion like uh, it should be in everybody's opinion honestly like uh it's just um an ill ill-fated move on their part um to do that uh it's very blatantly ableist and uh um, yeah definitely let me let me tell you malco national chain um and i believe that they were at one time the the largest um theater chain but I'm, I'm very glad to say that amc has overtaken them um in in large part probably due to this year-long boycott i you know i noticed mm-hmm. not a lot of people have been going to their theaters this past year and i'm just really inspired that <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, I, they're i took it i took it a step further i've been boycotting all movie theaters i just have not been going to the movies this past year right yeah you know let me tell you it's it's been working their sales have gone down majorly (laughs) i think they're getting the message Uh, they'll get it through their how many times do we have to teach this lesson old man um yeah i want to go back to the movie theater so bad though not Me Malco, too. but a movie theater. Um, yeah, Malco's Cinemark in town's good to me. AMC in yeah. Fort Smith's good to me. AMC True. anywhere, man. That's a good. Oh chain yeah, right there. Definitely, I like AMC, um, and I like Cinemark. But I remember um, several years ago when there were more than just two movie theater chains, like Carmichael. Um, like Malco is sort of like the last of a dying breed with how it's just like this random ass, you know, theater chain that isn't as big as AMC or Cinemark. Um, but that another theater company could easily just absorb into their like corporation, like, uh, AMC did with Carmichael. Yeah. Or wasn't it, wasn't it car? They, they took over Carmichael, right? Or at least. Yeah. The, Wait, the, I think it's just called Carmike though. <laughs> oh, is it just called Carmike? No, yeah, no, okay. So, no, in Harrison, um, the where I used to go to the theater, like, we had a drive-in at Marshall, and I would go to the drive-in all the time, obviously, but if I wanted to see, like, a go out and see a movie, we always went to Harrison or Branson to the IMAX to see it. In Harrison, their theater was called Carmichael. Not Carmike, just Carmichael. Because I specifically oh. remember they had, like, a cursive, like, handwriting neon sign. And then... Uh, that theater like went out of business because they were really shitty and then AMC took over and now the theater's way better and I used to go up to Harrison all the time and spend the whole day up there watching movies at the AMC I was an AMC Stubbs member actually (laughs) whoa AMC Stubbs you say Stubbs for studs man bro that I feel like I should be a Stubbs member, but, like, after that whole movie pass business, like, I just, you know, there will never be a rewards program any better because that rewards program was literally losing money for the people mm-hmm. who made it. That was mm-hmm. cool. Did you get in on movie pass? No, I Back didn't because I knew it was an ill-fated voyage and I didn't want any part of it. And I told my friends not to get in on any part of it because they're going to end up just getting mad when they, when they run out of money because... When I heard about it, I was like, that economically does not make any fucking sense. So I looked into it, and I was like, okay, I was right. This doesn't make – they're literally losing money 
just to pay for people's tickets. Like, how the hell do they think this is a good idea? And so everybody kept asking me, do you have Move Pass? Do you have Move Pass? And I just refused to get it. I was like, no, that's going to crash and burn very soon. Lo and behold, um, three months later, like not even three months after me like telling everybody that it did, it crashed and burned. And I was like, I'm glad that I didn't get that because people had tried to go see movies and it wasn't working for them for like a week or two before the company finally just dissolved. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll stick with my Cinemark rewards program. I, I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, towards the end there... Uh it was getting it was getting hard to actually watch movies with your movie pass um but i will say as someone who invested uh when it was fucking broken where you Mm -hmm. would spend ten dollars a month and you would get to see however many fucking movies you want to see it is glorious i went and saw whatever the fuck i just wanted to see like one day you know I was bored, and I was like, oh, Fifty Shades Darker's playing? Do you want to go see it on the IMAX screen? Because it's a free screening. <laughs> and me and my roommate went. And, you know, I've never seen any of the other Fifty Shades movies. Uh, nor do I think I would have a will no. to watch them again. But that was a wonderful experience. I mean, I've not been to the IMAX since. Yeah, no, I... Uh... <laughs> I watched the first Fifty Shades of Grey uh movie and uh that's all i can take that's all i'm gonna do ever again um dude softcore porn for horny moms is dude and it's like... not even it's not even good porn it isn't <laughs> like it's a boring movie like all of it is boring um like absolutely all of it it's so stupid um ugh. anyway i'm sorry i do not want to talk about 50 shades of gray <laughs> no yeah let's not do it um um Dude, well, did you uh, did you happen to catch any other uh, movies that are are involved with the Golden Globes at all, or just like um, you know anything really? So last night I started watching The Little Things uh, with Denzel, Ramy, and our boy Leto, and uh, yes, I've been kind of wanting to watch that. Well, let me tell you, Isaac. Last night I fell asleep. I didn't even realize I fell asleep, but I woke up <laughs> uh, later, oh like God. way early into the morning. I was like, oh shit, I fell asleep. I missed it. But I had like 40 minutes left of the movie. Um, but it is a long movie. It's a two hour and seven minute movie. Um, oh my script, gosh. script was written and sold in the 90s and never got made until now. The atmosphere, you know, the aesthetic of the thing, the performances, and the direction. It's all there. It's all crystal clear. It's all great. But the script is probably one of the most, like, slow, the slowest and the most unoriginal serial killer, like, stories of all time. Like, it, it is so, I don't understand why this script was circulating for, you know, 25 years and then finally decides to get made now yeah because it's very obviously a movie for the 90s like if this had come out in the 90s it'd probably be to a way more critical acclaim uh maybe but i i could see them like they probably changed the script a lot um but let me tell you 
this is probably Jared Leto, one of Jared Leto's finer performances because um, I do not like Jared Leto as an actor that much. Like I thought he was okay in Panic Room. I thought he sucked in Justice League or not uh, in Suicide Squad. Um, and uh, what what other films has he been in? I know I've seen him in other stuff, but I just haven't ever gravitated towards him. Um, but let me tell you, in this movie, it's pretty good. Um, so is Denzel and so is Rami Malek. Like, they're, it's all, like, like it's all there, you know? Like, everything's there. It just is not that captivating. There's something, there's something very wrong with this script. <laughs> um, and, oh, and the editing is absolute dog shit. Uh, the editing sucks, but, uh, oh, gosh. Anyway, but that yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm reading I, that this director is the one who wrote it like 30 years ago. Um, oh, he was the writer. I had no idea. Yeah, the the director is also the writer, and he oh, wow he wrote it originally 30 years ago. Like it was supposed to come out even before like Seven came out. Um, yeah, and that's why it's it's a little strange to see it get compared to like. A movie like Seven, because it's like, oh, well, like, did you rip that off, or was your screenplay, like, always like this, you know? Yeah. D- but, does it give you Seven vibes? Is okay. That, is that fair? Um, The vibe of the movie gives me Seven vibes, because Seven's a serial killer movie, and all serial killer movies pretty much have the same vibe, Um, but... Now I haven't watched, I haven't finished it, so I still need to watch the last forty minutes. But this film reminds me nothing of Seven. I don't know what the hell people are talking about, especially if it was written before Seven. You know, mm-hmm. there's like there's no like they've already like I'm at the point in the movie where like the killer and this is obvious by the trailer, so it's not spoilers. They're communicating with the killer. They've already brought him in for questioning and everything, or who they they think is the killer, Jared Leto's character. Um, he's, but he doesn't like, I thought maybe like, I was like, okay, maybe it'll feel more like seven, like towards the end. Maybe he's like going to turn himself in like what with, with Kevin Spacey did in seven when he just walks in as detective, yeah. but not, he didn't even do that. Like nothing, like nothing like that. No, nothing. The way the killer acts is nothing like seven. Like his MO is nothing like the killer from seven. The, the, the detectives act nothing like the detectives from seven they're completely different characters i don't know what people are talking about i don't see it maybe it's i need maybe i need to finish the film but no this film is nothing like seven seven's way better than this um but i don't know no i mean it it definitely sounds like a sloppy sloppy movie and it's hbo max exclusive or it's in theaters uh, too yeah yeah if you, I, if you want to watch it, hop on my HBO Max account if you don't have one. Well, and then go watch Judas and the Black Messiah, because apparently that's a much better movie than this. Uh, yeah. I um, haven't seen it I've been it meaning yet. to watch that, but... Um, I think that's maybe yeah. on my, my watch list for this next week. Um, I definitely want to catch it. It is on mine. Um, I, I was good. I watched film, too. Um yeah, what you what you what you uh I don't know what did if you I want to go eyes upon? I don't know I don't know if I want to go the bad route or the good route, Casey, cuz I watched a really bad movie and I watched a really good movie. Hey um, man. Um go What the, do you want to hear first? Go the good route and then I'll tell you about a good movie that I watched and then I'll okay, tell you about okay. a bad movie that I watched and you can tell me about a bad movie that you watched. 
Hell yeah. Okay. okay. I um I watched Minari this week. Have you oh, heard of Minari? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know Minari well. I have not seen it yet because I don't know where to watch it, but... <laughs> Hey guys, Casey here, uh, post-recording. Um, this audio cut out, I uh, don't know what happened, um, so I'm just going to tell you what Isaac said. Basically, there's this uh, way on A24's website where you can uh, basically screen a movie for four hours, and uh, after that four hours, uh, it'll be unavailable to you, but you can basically watch it. You can pick a time, like a screening, like you would in a theater, uh, and you can watch uh, the movies that they have on there, and that is basically what Isaac did uh, with Minari. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know. He said it was really cool, so y'all should go check that out if you want to watch any of the movies. And sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, we're figuring it out. Uh, yeah. Here you go. We, we got, like, an 8 o'clock screening, and we watched it. And um, That is so dope. Okay, I'll have to check yeah, that out. No, it's interesting um, because it, it has your name on the screen, um, and it shifts around so you can't record the movie and oh. subsequently, like, crop out that um tag so it's like it's got like a slight anti-piracy measure but like i didn't even notice it after a while because i was really engrossed Mm -hmm. in the movie um that's dope this is this is like a semi-autobiographical movie about um the director and his uh his korean family like moving to arkansas in the 80s and and Mm -hmm. you know trying to make a life for themselves here and it's uh it's slower than your average movie, sure. Um, and people who who are thinking like, oh, Korean uh, film set in America, you know, this must be Parasite, but in Arkansas, like, no, that's not, that's not what it's going for, like at all. <laughs> right. Um, and this is this is a very grounded movie. There's no like, um, there's no like thriller excitement things like in in Parasite, and it's it's fine for that like it's it's a completely different movie just know what you're getting into um it's really beautiful though it's it this director um clearly has taken like a lot of scenes out of his life that just like deeply affected him you know the the struggle that his parents faced in um in adjusting to life in america um Mm -hmm. uh, particularly there's like a really um tough to watch uh scene involving a stroke that just really got me man um and i've got to say like all the performances are so solid like stephen young especially stuck out to me because he uh he's a god you know (laughs) i know him from the walking dead and like uh (laughs) and like he he often plays like teenagers on like cartoons and shit um but Mm. here he's he's speaking korean uh, which I knew he was bilingual. I just had never seen him in like a movie where he he speaks Korean. Um, I know there's Burning out on Netflix, which I still need to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But he's absolutely incredible um, in that language. And then on top of that, uh, when his character speaks English as a second language, he's just got the 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 mannerisms of someone who is who is learning English just down perfectly. Like he he sounds like. Um, like many Korean people I've met abroad, um, mm-hmm. who who speak English, like just like the accents and the and the the weird mannerisms that carry over from Korean to English, like it's mm-hmm. just amazing the work he's doing. And it's the same with everyone in the movie. I don't I don't know many of the other actors' names. I know the little kid in this movie, Alan Kim, though, because he introduced our screening. He was like, "I'm Alan Kim," and. 
this is a really <laughs> great movie that I was in. And he's adorable. I love him now. <laughs> Watch out for him. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, um, yeah, I've heard. Um, I've heard it's like everything you're saying. Like I've heard is. I've heard the same thing. Like I've heard it's great, and I'm really excited to watch it because I absolutely adore Korean filmmaking, like a lot. So, yeah, I'm I mean, excited to watch it, especially I and I, I, I gotta gush on one more point. The score in this movie has definitely mm. got to be like the top contender of the year because, like, mm-hmm. holy shit, dude, it was so, um, it was so good. I don't know if you watch the movie, you'll see in like the opening minutes, like how good the score is, and you'll be <laughs> like, wow, and you'll have it on in your car because you're that weird kind of person who listens to scores in your car, Casey. But I, I do. The hell is wrong with you, Casey? I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, shit, I'll probably look. One up time, the score Casey now. picked me up. And uh, there was just this, like, droning, like, scary music in his car. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, this is the Mindhunter Season 2 soundtrack. Yup. <laughs> if you ride with Casey, it might sound like you're about to get murdered. <laughs> it might, yeah. I think it just depends on what he's watching. Uh, that's very true. I, uh... <laughs> I don't remember who was in the car with me uh, the other day. It might have been Donna, but I had the Under the Skin soundtrack on, which is that really like oh god weird. I've not seen the movie, but I know yeah, it's like very tense. <laughs> <laughs> I had that soundtrack on because on it slaps, it slaps, and uh, uh, Donna was like, "Casey, what, what the hell are you listening to?" She's like, "I feel like I'm about to like." die or like get abducted and i'm like this is a really cool soundtrack from a film i found <laughs> but Yikes. um but yeah i definitely need to check out minari um i'll probably listen to the soundtrack before i even watch the movie sometimes i do that sometimes i look up soundtracks and listen before i watch the movie and then it's really cool to see how the go. soundtrack is incorporated into it but um i, I yeah. used to do that I, I should do that again. What uh, What have you seen? That's mm-hmm. good. I, I thought of another good movie I saw. I'm going to save it. Okay. Um, well, um, I watched... I'll go ahead and just like lump three in because it's like kind of like the same category uh, or the same. Oh. I watched um, I watched three scary movies this, uh, this weekend um, or this past week. And... Um, Two of them were Wes Craven films that I regrettably had not seen in in full until now. And Ooh. that was Scream and A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Um, I had never... I still not seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street Dude, all the way through. you should. I, I liked it. it there, It's terrifying. It's the first, like... <laughs> horror movie from the 80s that I'm, I was actually genuinely horrified by. Um... Like watching like one of the like the very first death scene is just it's crazy it's absolutely crazy. Um, the movie is very very informed by Wes Craven's you know uh, strict Baptist upbringing, which I think is really cool. Um, and then Scream um, just has like one of the best screenplays ever written, like the smartest, most just this is the dopest screenplay, you know. Um, Scream's such a sharp movie. Oh yeah, it's so sharp and witty. And uh, when the script was going around Hollywood, it, it went around for a weekend, and there was a huge bidding war for it. And uh, Miramax acquired it with uh, 
Drew Barrymore already attached to the script, and they were like, let's give this to Wes Craven. <laughs> that would be fun. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, and Wes Craven only elevated it, I can imagine, because, uh, yeah, it's a great, like, Scream is great. If, if y'all have never seen the first Scream movie, and even the, like, I started watching the second one, and the second one even starts off really, really well. Like, I'm a little bit into that one, and I, I enjoy it, too. So Scream is just a good franchise is what I'm coming to understand. So, um, yeah, and then, um, and then speaking of Korean film, I watched a Korean horror film that was remade in America. Um, you may know a movie called The Uninvited. Um, uh, I don't, actually. Oh, you don't? Okay, so The Uninvited was like a 2010 uh, remake, American remake of the Korean film called A Tale of Two Sisters. And this movie is part of the Korean New Wave um of cinema and the Korean new wave uh, is, uh, it involves, uh, um, directors like, uh, Bong Joon-ho and, uh, I think, uh, I don't want to butcher his name, but I think I'm saying it's Kim oh. Ji-woon is the director of A Tale of Two Sisters. Oh, Ji-woon Kim. Ji-woon Kim. Um, okay. It, cause and, and I'm looking, this is the guy who did I Saw the Devil. Exactly. Okay, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, which we and you watched that together, right? I saw the devil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And saw, that was so solid. I mm-hmm. really liked. I saw the devil. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Park Chan Wook, or uh, is that how you say his name? He did. Um, oh, oh, what did he do? Hold on. I'm watching. I'm I'm watching another movie by by him right now called Lady Vengeance. That is absolutely magnificent. Um, I haven't finished. Are you it talking yet. about Chan Wook Park? Uh yeah, sorry. Do you have the, the old boy guy? Yeah, yeah, he did old boy. Yeah, and the handmaiden. So that guy, um, these like three directors were like really prominent, uh, and they're not the only three. There's just the three most notable ones uh, in the Korean new wave of cinema, uh, and uh, they're really into uh, very um, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like genre films, but they're super like over the top sort of genre films um i think like korean cinema is the best at genre like they know how to elevate it and uh a tale of two sisters is scary it's it's pretty terrifying and um a little just a slightly problematic just a little bit but still pretty good Uh Um, yeah i mean if you ever watch it you'll understand what i mean but it's and it's got a twist that's kind of like oh okay but um but no the uh, the performances and the direction of it is amazing and uh uh America redid it changed the title probably it's worse that's i mean it's not as critically acclaimed as a tale of two sisters is but yeah man the that's uninvited uh, i had never heard of it yeah i remember when that came out when i was a kid i just never watched it um but and I still don't want to watch I'm it. I'm looking into it right now. <laughs> yeah. Emily Browning. Yeah. No, this one has like a six point three versus <laughs> like the Chad Tale of Two Sisters, like eight point one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. That's just um, how it always is. I I can't. I don't think I can think of like too many American remakes other than like The Departed that really expand on like. Yeah. The the original films like. Uh, yeah. You know. There's not a lot, Shoot. honestly. There's not the ring. Not. I think also like people seem to like a lot, but I, I oh, also yeah. hear that people like well, Ringu a lot more. That's true. There, but there's also the the Grudge was as well a 
Japanese um, movie at first, and then they remade yeah, it. And it was they had to they finally got it right in twenty twenty. They oh my they God. released it, and it was the best version to date. Oh of my that. God. <laughs> the best version of slam your head into a wall too that, that movie was awful <laughs> and i saw it in theaters isaac I, ah, I saw it in theaters what I a what a mistake Casey. what, what a, a horrible mistake. mistake i just me and luke and donna just laughed through the whole thing like i know that's like the teenager thing to do to laugh through a horror movie but no, like but i mean it was so laughable like it was a comedy i was like what the hell <laughs> What? How did they market it? Were they saying Sam Raimi was like a huge part of it? Um, was he involved at all? I don't know. I hope. I mm. think maybe he was. The way they were marketing it, or the way the trailers marketed it, it was like way more uh, faithful to the original story, and it was going to be way more scarier. Um. And uh, yeah, it wasn't. That did not happen. It, no, it did not. Uh, yeah, Sam Raimi was a producer on it. That's why they were. Yeah, uh, but the Yikes. director is, it has done nothing so far. Like he, I mean, he has movies, but none that are notable at all. And uh, the Grudge. Part of why the new Grudge was so laughable to me was that it tried so hard to be like something it wasn't, uh, which is uh, a art film, <laughs> uh, and it just sucked. <laughs> so. Anyway, right. Um, so I watched another really good movie that I want to get into before the the bad one. Um, Hell yeah! I watched uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it, but I have heard the Oscar buzz around Chadwick Boseman's performance. Is that the same one I'm thinking of? Oh yes. Um, yeah. And uh, dude, get hype because okay, the the, <laughs> the, the Oscar buzz. And Golden Globe buzz around Chadwick Boseman is completely, like, uh, deserved. Like, you know, it, okay. it's so gratifying to see, like, an actor in their last role, like, just get to show off their mastery of, like, acting. You know, I, I, I fully believe that Chadwick Boseman will win a posthumous award for this movie. And Same. And it will be um, well-deserved. Like, yeah. I, I truly think once anyone watches this, there will be no doubts, like... This is a masterful, like amazing performance, and I'm I'm really glad I got that he got to do this before he died. You know, mm-hmm. like sure, Black Panther is a great way to go out or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> this is this is like probably stuff he was more passionate about. Um, Ma Rainey is based on like a uh, an August Wilson play from the 1980s. Uh, Denzel Washington is a producer for this movie, and he's. He's previously adapted August Wilson's work into Fences, which I still right. have not seen the movie adaptation of, but I love that play very much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I had not um, read Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and let me tell you, this is just such a sharp hour and a half. Um, the dialogue just is amazing. Um, the themes of this movie um, just are still relevant today, sadly. Um and uh, the performances are all amazing across the board. Like, obviously, Chadwick Boseman is getting a lot of hype. But um, Coleman Domingo from Euphoria is amazing in this movie. Viola Davis I was, like, unrecognizable to me for, like, the first 20 minutes. And then I was like, holy shit, that's Viola Davis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just everyone in this movie is giving it their all. And I, I think it's definitely worth checking out. It's on Netflix. Um 
you you're okay. gonna want to catch this one before the Oscars come. But um, I definitely will. So yeah, that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom definitely recommend checking it out. Um, I did watch one more movie this week. Um, Let's hear it. That I think you've probably seen before. Okay. And that would be uh, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. <laughs> oh um, yeah, baby. You know, he's in it now. It used to be my favorite. Did you know that when I was little, Attack of the Clones no. was my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, next really? to ne- yeah, right next to Revenge of the Sith. It was my favorite. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! Then I got older and watched it again. I was like, oh, 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 oh. no, only it, gets it's worse a, with time. God, dude, it's a fucking mess. I mean, like from the start, it's way worse than I remembered. Like. The, yeah. the, the explosion at the start. I guess there was no danger at all. Yeah. Kira <laughs> Knightley being killed off immediately. Yeah. Like, you know, I was glad to not have to suffer through any more of her, like, wooden delivery in mm-hmm. this movie. But also, it's just so abrupt and so fast. Yeah. And, like, if there's anything I've got to say about, like, Attack of the Clones, it's, like, everything is so fucking, like, half-baked and confusing. Like, why... like at any point you could ask why is this happening and there's not really that great of an answer right to that question um, yeah yeah oh, um I, I always think of the very first um um 30 minutes of the movie um there was a video or like a meme uh it was a guy like ranting about the like the how preposterous uh, the the assassination attempt is because um Palpatine, Chancellor Palpatine, secretly <laughs> hires Jango Fett to kill, to kill, to kill her, and then Jango Fett hires the Changeling to do it. And then Zam. the, change, the, the, the Changeling's name is Zam. Zam, yeah. And then and then the Changeling gets the <laughs> robot to go over there. The robot <laughs> releases centipedes to kill it. It's the stupidest shit ever, dude. <laughs> this is why there's that adage, you know, if you want something done, do it yourself. Do it yourself, because the, exactly. Because the other adage is if you want something done, hire someone else to hire someone else to hire someone else <laughs> to use something else to use yeah. something else to get the job done. It just does not work as well. Uh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> It is so ridiculous. Oh my god, I I guess I had never critically thought about that scene before. (laughs) Like, in my head, I'm just thinking, like, oh, Jango Fett meeting up with Zam and not doing the job himself is kind of weird. Like, also, him... Here's what I like about Jango Fett, you know? This man is so professional, you know? He's not just gonna send you, like, a space hologram saying, like, go kill Padme. He's gonna show up and meet you at Coruscant behind some random ass building and give you um what does he give her the centipedes uh, he yeah he gives her the centipedes yeah he's gonna show up and he's gonna give you the centipedes to do it which essentially says like i could have done this myself i don't want to though because <laughs> that would be too easy <laughs> um, yeah and he's gonna let you do it and then apparently he's gonna follow you around the whole time um anyway so another opportunity for him to have done the job and just not and then he's gonna kill you if you get caught you know like that's yeah. that's the Django fett guarantee you know 
he'll he'll show up and he'll show out every time. Will he do the job? No. <laughs> he'll be there though. <laughs> but that's the, the whole movie. It's yeah. just this weird like ladder of like events are happening because people because people higher up have like orchestrated them. And like I get that George Lucas at the time was probably frustrated with the Iraq war. Um, mm. Or maybe, you know, he's not bullshitting about the fact that he wrote this in the 70s. I doubt that. But, um, yeah. you know, maybe this was supposed to be a criticism of the Vietnam War. Either way, um, you know, while I think that's a great theme, you know, government misusing its power and, like, uh, war being this really shady practice in the first place where people fighting it don't really know what they're fighting for in the first place. I think in this movie it's not all that well done i think it's just fucking confusing at any point like you know i i realized that i didn't really know who the the bad guys like really were after a certain point like i know that there's the separatists Mm -hmm. but like at no point do they seem to be doing anything all that like aggressive towards the republic like the, there's that one assassination attempt, um, and then Obi-Wan literally goes and stirs the pot and, like, shows up to Geonosis mm-hmm. and is, like, clearly snooping around, and then he gets kidnapped, um, and then that's the start of the Clone Wars, like, oh, you guys kidnapped one dude, so we're gonna have to show up blasting. Yeah, literally. Like, that's my understanding of why this war is happening. Is yeah. That, these people just don't want to be a part of the Republic. So the Republic sends one guy to go snoop around. Um, and I mean, I guess... I don't know if Padme needing to be killed was like on Vice Viceroy Gunray um, orders or on Palpatine's. Because Newt Gunroy also seems to want Padme dead the whole movie. There's like a lot of weird dialogue where he's like i need that padme to be dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah please kill her yeah i shoot her <laughs> shoot her i think shoot her or something <laughs> i hate i hate star wars like accents of like the prequels no it's so racist it's so racist it's so bad but attack of the clones is um um Probably the most poorly written one, and um, mm-hmm. um, I, it was also the longest at the time too. Yeah, and it I didn't need that. to be. I think the whole Geonosis like subplot with him going and discovering the clones is cool. Like it's a cool mystery, but like you said, like an entire army shows up that starts a war over one Jedi that if you think about it, it's not even that important in his name to the Jedi Order. He's only popular to the people watching the movie, you know? Like, yeah, because we know what that character becomes and the rest of his history, but uh, he's not that important to the Jedi, you know, the Jedi Order for them to just be like, all right, um, well, get get a hundred thousand troops and fifty five Jedi, and we're gonna go and we're gonna kill Count Dooku, and we're gonna slay some people. It just 
I don't know. It's uh, he's George Lucas is just like throughout this entire movie just wants your knowledge of the original trilogy mm-hmm. to bolster it. Like he wants you to know that Anakin being Darth Vader, um, he wants that to excuse Anakin the person. Like he forgets to make Anakin likable in any way. Like one oh, of the yeah. big points of this movie is that it's supposed to be Anakin's like descent to the dark side or Mm -hmm. you know it's supposed to at least show some of anakin being a good person and at no point is anakin any way like tolerable in this movie he's whining even as a child opening minutes like as a child like honestly this might be a hot take but watching phantom menace and attack of the clones back to back i um i like child anakin a little bit more (laughs) than um padawan anakin in this movie because like Dude is insufferable. He just are you an whining. angel? Are you an? I'll try spinning. That's a good trick. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. This movie, but this movie has such like worse lines. Um, that a I grown know. man is now saying I know. like, I know. I, uh, <laughs> I hate sand. It's coarse, it's coarse and it's rough. rough, and it gets everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I dude. thought of you every day. Mm-hmm. I thought of Padme every day, and she forgot me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obi Wan's so unfair. <laughs> the Jedi Order is unfair. <laughs> no, my That's favorite, the- my favorite thing, my favorite dialogue from Anakin comes in Revenge of the Sith, um, and I mean dialogue is in like ironic, like favorite dialogue is in ironic. Yeah. I think uh, his dialogue in Revenge of the Sith is really cringe, bro. Um, but there's no doubt Attack of the Clones is the worst. Um, yeah. Just, uh, <sighs> yeah there's just not a lot going for it. Between no. the between the romance scenes and Obi-Wan being like a wannabe noir detective, yeah. like, there's just not a lot going for this movie. And um, I do, I do want to ask your opinion on something. Do you like um, Yoda's action sequence? Like, do you... Oh, I love his lightsaber fight with Dooku. Really? Yeah, I like it. I think it's okay. I mean, I just think it's cool to see Yoda fight. You know, we don't we don't see him like fight in the original trilogy, and I think it's really cool to be able to see him. I think his fight with Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith is way better. Um, but I do yeah. like I do like the Count Dooku fight too. Like it's all right. What what I like about the Revenge of the Sith fight a bit more is that it's more force oriented, and I've always thought that Yoda is that kind of character anyway. Oh, like, definitely. I've never really cared for him using a lightsaber because i think it looks silly but um mm-hmm. is this shorter than this movie else's? especially was ridiculous like yoda shows up and dooku throws like a chair at him and yoda uses the force to stop it and dooku's like oh okay then i'm gonna slowly move these rocks at you and yoda uses the force to stop it and then finally <laughs> dooku's like oh wow that's super impressive bro i'm gonna shoot some lightning at you and that's like the only cool part of that exchange is like yoda catches the lightning which, um, you know, I think up to that point was not something that was established as something that could be done. It's like one of the rare instances in the prequel trilogy where we see something new get done with the Force. And we don't just retread the old grounds of, like, Force lightning and choking and pushing. Mm-hmm. Like, like, the thing about the original trilogy I like so much is the Force is so vague. The Force yeah. could do anything. Like, you know, if you watch Return of the Jedi... For all you know, the Emperor could, like, stop Luke's heart 
if he just thought <laughs> you know like if he just yeah. used his mind he could like do that like, but then die. the prequels thoroughly established like no the force is like this very limited palette of pushing people pulling people choking people or force lightning them you know that's yeah. it that's all you can do with the force <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's all you can do um and like in yeah. like also the 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 robes that the jedi wear like obi-wan is wearing those robes in um a new hope because he's out in the desert like he's trying to keep sand out of his face like yeah that's just like what he needs to wear on tatooine but somewhere along the way like george lucas was like that is the uniform of the jedi and it just (laughs) doesn't make a lot of sense that it's Uh, the uniform of the jedi because like why are they dressed like that they're on fucking coruscant you know (laughs) it's like a city with no environmental challenges whatsoever they just must be like hot and stuffy all day long (laughs) could you imagine filming in that shit too like my god (laughs) god i mean maybe they get to wear like pajamas underneath like maybe that's (laughs) the appeal yeah true i hear yoda was incredibly terrible to work with like you know he was like i'm a puppet i want to be cgi now (laughs) oh my god you little bitch (laughs) what what do you think of like i'm sorry i'm having so many random thoughts what do you think about like that jedi room where like the blinds are closed and it looks just like like a window with like closed blinds and like that's where like they have all the important meetings in this movie oh my god do you know what i'm talking about um yes i do know that's the it's the place where um in the third movie and or is it the second or the third where they're like, you may be granted the rank of <clears throat> Jedi, but you will not be like on the sit on like the on the council or whatever. No, no, that's like the main council room. I'm talking about like Yoda's like dank Kush room, where like he goes <laughs> in there to like try and see into the future. Often. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, I always thought it was the same room. I guess not. Um, no, but like I, I don't know. It's like. Uh, weird definitely uh i don't know what you mean by it though like dude i'm just saying it looks like extra like weird with like the set design like it it looks like yoda is going in there to like smoke weed you know oh yeah yeah yeah. he's just got like the blinds closed like why are they meeting in complete darkness like that like yeah i don't know like the jedi they have so many exposition scenes take place in that room and i'm just like oh my god yeah what what is the point (laughs) it's it's the jedi it's such a minor nitpick but it just really bugged me this time around (laughs) what the fuck it might be yoda's quarters it might be we'll search that I never really understood where they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's Yoda's quarters. Okay. And if you'll see, yeah, it's just like Yoda's got like a little couch and then he's got all the blinds closed <laughs> and they meet <laughs> there like all the time. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Attack the, of the, the Clones, I, I would say, is worse than Phantom Menace probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's got all kinds of problems. Like, um. I I can't I honestly can't like um believe just how it was an ill-fated voyage my friend Attack of the Clones was every mm-hmm. time I go back and watch it I, I notice things same thing with like I said this about Phantom Menace last week like every time I go back and watch it there's just things that I'm like wow like we really doing this we really <laughs> you know uh 
It's I just such know, a man. shame, man. You know, the, the Star Wars movies that came out like 20 years ago have already aged way worse than the ones that came out 40 years ago, you know? You can go back to yeah. the original trilogy and watch those movies and think like, wow, this is this is aged significantly better <laughs> than this uh, than this prequel shit. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm I'm staying optimistic going back into Revenge of the Sith. It's been a while since I've um, watched it with the context of the full trilogy behind it. So we'll see. We'll see what an ending that is. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about Revenge of the Sith because I actually, I uh, I kind of admire Revenge of the Sith a little bit, but also I uh, can uh, attest that it is, it's just as bad as the other two, but it's just a little bit better in my opinion, and I, I think it's way more entertaining than Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely excited to, to revisit it because I... I'm having a hard time remembering like how how much better it is like you know in my head right now it's kind of on par with these other two but I, I, I I'm hoping to be surprised you know I, I, I yeah. hope going in with lower expectations of it that it'll it'll surprise me again I have watched clips of it with my friends in the past year but like mostly the meme stuff so oh yeah definitely. I'm, memorizing the dialogue and <laughs> yeah i'll bring uh <laughs> peace in order to my new empire your, your new, new empire, empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude it's Only very a sith quotable deals in absolutes. yeah no that that's the thing is like revenge of the sith is the only one that i remember like quotes from mm-hmm. like these other two really do not have any like stellar no. dialogue i mean None of the movies have stellar dialogue, right. but like it's, some of it's quotable. just more memorable than others. <laughs> I will say, Attack of the Clones was probably a lot more quotable than Phantom Menace, though. I mean, you've at least got the Anakin stuff. Yeah, it's true. And I love democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I ugh. feel so sorry for Hayden uh, Christensen. Christensen. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he works on a farm now. Um, he did Star Wars and then bounced back off to the. Well, I heard that it was lands. like his. He actually like wanted to go like take care of his family, like oh yeah, very, no, I, like a Rick Moranis like style it, of leaving acting. Where yeah, he, he yeah. I'm sure that was uh, that was the that was the thing, but uh, he is confirmed to be um, Darth Vader again in the. Uh, in the new obi-wan series like they're gonna bring him back uh that's yeah yeah i did hear that um i had to think for a second (laughs) but yes i uh they reported that he was gonna be is uh, is it a series or is it gonna be a like a movie or it's gonna be a series okay gotcha yeah um I'm kind of excited for that. I'd like to see, like, if he's, like, matured and he is, like, you know, an actor, if he's gotten, um, like, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm just excited to see him. Yeah. Um, Me too, honestly. Like, I I, I do feel like he he probably just had a lot of bad direction from George Lucas. Like, I think. Definitely. I think that it was just, like, a performance that was um cast astray by the director and because Mm -hmm. i mean natalie portman is equally like 
kind of cringy in these movies mm-hmm. and i know that she's a good actress like, oh she's a great actress yeah you just got to keep in mind that the, the the people that did these movies were struggling with um with a lot you know <laughs> with uh with yeah poor dialogue with poor direction with mostly cgi like scenery like i think it's amazing that um anything is comprehensible i mean like comprehensible <laughs> from these movies yeah there there could be like a whole like classroom like setting about these prequel movies like everything about them like you just go through and dissect them and a whole yeah you gotta you gotta learn semester Lucas's mistakes i mean let me tell you don't make your movie entirely based on cgi (laughs) (laughs) true it's a great way to date it like so fast which i mean not to knock like cgi animators or anything but like Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of like live action mixing with CGI, like don't. I mean, just try not to have your actors on blue screens the whole time. Although I feel like that's where movies have headed anywhere. Anyway, like that's how Marvel yeah. movies are. You know, the Avengers are shot exclusively on like blue screens. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna get into like the whole CGI versus <laughs> practical effects debate. I feel like that's its own little episode. That, that's another episode, especially with like horror movies mm-hmm. that I would love to talk about. Uh, I just I, I do want to say though before we sign off today, um, the Golden Globe nominations are absolutely ridiculous and stupid, and I hate them. Uh, yeah, every, like almost every single one of them. Um, it's again very whitewashed. Uh, don't mean to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. There's hardly any people of color nominated for the actor and actresses category. Like the actress category, really. Um, there's like a couple, but that's it. Like a lot of them, it's like it's like every year the Golden Globes uh, continuously take um, just the most ridiculous steps towards uh idiocy uh more than they ever have um it's like they're completely tone deaf you've got the music thing you've got the minari thing um you've got you know just it's all of these just nominations are just ridiculous like uh there's like no like uh, you know um uh diversity you know at all yeah but it just is so disheartening to see like the the foreign press at that like Mm -hmm. make these mistakes like you know typically like the oscars have the reputation of being whitewashed and now like the golden globes have gotten to this point it's just like we need to fucking fix our awards shows. Like mm-hmm. we need to stop falling into these traps of, of going for award bait movies like music or, or like only nominating like people um, who are white or white filmmakers. Like mm-hmm. let's fucking um, let's fucking see some diversity. And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to women directors, like I'm so sick and tired of seeing um, directors not taken seriously like Greta yeah. Gerwig getting snubbed by pretty much every award show last year uh, yeah that was ridiculous just fucking awful which you know 
I mean, I, I will say this year's Golden Globes, they have three women directors nominated, which is really cool, really awesome. I mean, um, that's but, like a step up, but you, that doesn't mean you get to take steps backwards. Yeah, exactly. In terms of your like other categories. Exactly. Like, don't just listen to our one, like, don't listen to our one, like, uh, complaint, you know, like address everything that's wrong with your awards show. Like, yeah. <laughs> actually grow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, because it's like it, you're not starved for diverse, uh, you know, cast and, and, and directors and everything. You're not starved for that. There's movies coming out every day, um, good movies, you know, that you can uh, nominate. But, like, uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's insane to me how we can still just be, like – just everybody on here is just people that have been like nominated many times before and that's okay if they're still like if they still get nominated but um they have like a limit on how many people can be nominated for something and it's like if if you need to extend that limit to include everybody then do that i don't care just at least give them the recognition they deserve is, is all i'm saying because mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, did like Stephen Yin even get nominated in the Golden Globes for his performance in Minari, which I heard was amazing. I, need, I still need to watch it. But... Well, okay. Like one of the big problems is like they didn't nominate I I May Destroy You, which is this really great like um, black like look at um, rape culture. Like mm-hmm. they nominated like Emily in Paris instead and shit like that, which you know that that rubs me the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. I I'm looking for best actor. Yeah, uh, Stephen Young is is not mentioned whatsoever. Um, yeah. There's there's like Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins, um, Chadwick Boseman, um, Riz Ahmed, which I'm glad to see him on there as well as Chadwick Boseman. But yeah, no, yeah. Minari's just like not being considered a real movie essentially, like. This is so fucking terrible. Like, yeah. James Corden is nominated for an award. That is so... I saw that. Like, that is ridiculous. I can't... I can't fathom it anymore. I just... Eh. This is ridiculous, Yeah. Dude. I... I don't know that I'll be tuning in to the Golden Globes. Like... No, I never, I never do in. anyway, yeah, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> I always tune into the Oscars, um... I just hope, yeah, the Oscars take notes of like yeah. what the Golden Globes are doing wrong. Or, yeah, I mean, and and I mean, the Oscars last year gave cred to to, to Parasite, which was refreshing. So I I hope mm-hmm. that we're seeing a, a new evolved Oscars that continues this year. Right. Yeah. I yeah I agree. I I want uh, I want there to be a little bit more of a a more diverse group of, of films and stuff to and actors to choose from. Uh, because they're there, they're just not getting recognized, which is, you know, kind of frustrating. But, alas, we are just podcasters. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, tell us, tell us what you would like to see nominated or or win even at at these awards shows. Um, you know what got snubbed. We'd love to hear what yeah. some of your favorite movies or performances of the year were. Um. Yeah, share with us at Mind Over Movies Two on Twitter mm-hmm. and Mind underscore over underscore movies on Instagram. 
Yes, we are on both now. We're, we've evolved. Cool. We're polluting the airways. Um, yeah. This, uh... Good talk, everybody. Good talk. Um, watch movies, guys. Go watch... Uh, go watch Minari if you haven't. Um, go watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom if you haven't. Uh, consume. Consume. Consume propaganda, consume. children. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go actually finish the little things and uh, possibly watch Ma Rainey um, or Minari, whichever one I want to watch first. Can't figure out yet. Can't decide. But yeah, gotcha. I'm gonna I'm going to enter the void, and uh, I mean, you oh. know, maybe I'll be back next week. Maybe I won't. It's just uh, it's just that kind of decision. Okay. Do you do you, do you want to come with or anything? You know what? Yeah, if you could like open it over here at my house too, like. Yeah. Hold on. Okay. Let me let me use my mind powers really quick. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I see it. I see it. Okay. Cool. Uh, am I good to go through yeah, now? See. Yeah. Yeah. See you there, man. Okay. Cool. I'll see you later. Uh, this has been yeah, mind bye. over movies. Goodbye. <laughs> mind over movies. Okay. Oh, this kind of hurts. Oh.